We're going to do uh, Lecto Divina, and uh, do this from time to time here. I'm going to read this passage a number of times, and uh, each time I'll ask a question. Uh, first time, I'll just read it through. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. I'm going to read it again, and this time, um, just ask yourself, ask us God to highlight a word or a phrase, to highlight a word or a phrase, and you can just keep that word or phrase to, just to yourself. What word or phrase uh, sticks out to you? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. What word or phrase does God highlight for you? I'm going to read it a third time, and this time ask, uh, how does that word or phrase speak into your life today? How does that word or phrase speak into your life today? As God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. How does that word or phrase speak into your life today? I'll read it one more, uh, one more time, and this time, um, just ask God, is He asking you to do something or to become something? Is He asking you to do something or to become something? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule 
in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Is God asking you to do something or to become something? And you can just take a moment to, uh, just through prayer, your own prayer, to seal whatever God is doing in your heart. And Father, as we take time to talk about humility this morning, I pray right now, God, that you would just ready our hearts. That every way, God, you want to build into us, whatever way you want to speak into us, God, whatever way you want to rearrange our hearts to be more and more in line with you, God, we, we just open ourselves to you. We're going to talk about uh, humility, humility today, as I was uh, praying about what to speak on. Um, this is one of the topics that came up, and um, it's actually a really important topic because um, it is one of the pathways to, to blessing in our life, or a pathway to an increased amount of favor or grace upon our lives. And we know this because James chapter 4, verse 6 is very clear. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace. Some translations have favor because it's actually the, the exact same Greek word, charis, is translated grace or favor, can go either way, but gives grace or favor to the humble. And you notice this, this word opposes, it's, it's not just a, a word that is not filled with action. It's not just that God looks at proud people and says, it's actually a word of opposition, uh, that God at times will actually oppose the proud, but on the other hand, when there's growing humility in our hearts, uh, God just hands out grace and he hands out favor towards those who are pursuing humility. And so humility is, is very important for all of us to be working on because, I mean, I don't think any of us in, the, in this room would just be like, you know, I just really want God to oppose me, you know, 2020, and I just want God to fight against me all this year. I mean... But I guarantee all of us be, would be able to pick multiple areas of our life where we would say, God, I just really need your grace in this area of my life. God, this year I, I need increased favor in this spot in, 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 in our life. And, and all of us have those areas where we need God's grace and favor, and uh, yet here's a path. God clearly gives us a path towards greater grace and greater favor in our lives, and, and it comes through humility. 
Now, we do need to mention that if, you, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've opened up your heart to God, you, just by nature, are a, a vessel of grace and a vessel of, of, um, of God's favor. That if you, you have opened your heart to, to God, God has favor for you, and He has so much grace for you. In fact, uh, there's this promise in Ephesians 1.3 that says, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That if you're in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing, uh, every amount of grace, every amount of favor that it's available to you. Uh, but like any gift, uh, we need to be open, open to it. And sometimes I like to, to see this verse as you could picture like, like a, a warehouse filled with all the grace and blessing and, and favor we need, and, and we can come into that warehouse and receive that grace and, and receive that favor uh, when we are ready for it. Uh, but sometimes what we do is we run and we will grab some grace and we'll grab some favor, and then we just kind of go off in life, and you know, a year or two later, we're like, I think I need to head back to that warehouse and, and collect more. I mean, uh, there's, there's this idea that that even though, you're not a, you, uh, even though you are a believer, um, it doesn't mean that you have all the grace and favor you can ever get. There is more grace and there is more favor. that You can enter that warehouse and receive, and receive more. And, and it's pictured in Hebrews 14. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And it doesn't matter if you've had a hard week or you've messed up this week and you've been involved in things you shouldn't or thinking things you shouldn't. Because Jesus is so good, you can enter God's throne of grace with confidence. Not because you're so good, but because Jesus has paved the way. He has forgiven you. You can enter God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace or favor, because it's the same Greek word, to help us in our time of need. And we all have these needs. We have these needs in our life where we need grace and we need favor. And so we can go back into the warehouse, back to the throne room of grace and receive more grace and receive more mercy. And, you know, I love this, this, this prayer in, in Philemon. Uh, Paul prays, I pray that the faith you share with us may deepen your understanding of every blessing that belongs to you in Christ. There is more grace, there is more favor that we can enter into and, um, and we can grow in this. I mean, uh, do you know that Jesus actually grew in favor and grace? In Luke chapter 252, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor or grace, because same Greek word again, in favor with God and man. And if Jesus can grow in grace and favor, that means we can also grow in grace and favor. And there are a lot of ways we can do that. But one of the ways is through humility. The, the promise again that when you seek humility, God begins to hand out grace and favor in our lives. And so humility is a very important topic. It's a very important character uh, quality that we need to continually pursue uh, all, all of our life. So humility positions us for more grace and favor. And in fact, it says this over and over and over and over again in the Bible. We see, we've already seen this verse. God opposes the proud, but gives grace and favor to the humble. 1 Peter 5, again, it says this a different way. All of you clothe yourselves 
with humility towards one another. And, and just as we get dressed up in the morning, every morning we've got to remember to also clothe ourselves with humility. Um, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. You will receive that grace in, in favor. And so if you're hungry for grace and favor upon your marriage or upon your, your workplace or your school or whatever you're, you're putting your hand to, clothe yourself with humility when it comes, comes to that. We see more verses that talk about this idea. In Luke 14, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Or Matthew 18, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of, of heaven. Or Psalm 147.6, the Lord lifts up the humble. And so this is a quality that we gotta work on, we gotta develop, because there's a lot in this life that will, will push us the other way, will push us towards, towards pride. And uh, of course, Jesus is our example, and the whole Christmas story is a great example of, 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 of humility. And, and the most famous passage on this is Philippians chapter two. Therefore, if any of you, uh, therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And, and this is clothing ourselves with humility. And God doesn't ask anything of us that he hasn't done himself. I mean, sometimes in difficult situations, we can say, well, you know, God, it's easy for you to say to be humble, but you're not in this situation. But, but the example is actually Jesus, that God has done this. He has set the example. And, and this is what the passage goes on to say. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so any relationship now that you're struggling with, any uh, relationship that you want to have more grace and more favor upon, if, if there's a relationship you want to be infused with, with grace and favor this year, then in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by coming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of of God the Father. And, and there's this process that Jesus taught that when you humble yourself, there's this infusion of grace and favor, and there's this exalting, not an exalting that is above God, but an exalting in your workplace, or an exalting in your marriage, or an exalting where there just is the blessing of God. And one of the pathways is clothing ourselves with humility. 
because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In fact, one definition, we'll look at a couple today, but one definition is just this passage. Now, what is humility? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And, uh, and often, uh, God's grace and humility or a grace and favor will be kind of revealed in these five areas, that, that uh, if you begin to humble yourself, you'll begin to sense a, 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 an uplift of grace and humility, and you'll often see it in these five areas. You'll, you'll notice a deeper sense of the presence of God. Uh, you'll become more beneficial in the lives of those around you. Uh, you'll find that you have greater influence upon those around you. You'll experience more uh, personal refreshing in life, and your efforts will see, see just more blessing because uh, God's favor and His grace is upon you. And so, again, I think all of, the, all of us would love more of this. I mean, I'd love more of this. And one of the pathways towards this is to be clothing ourselves with humility uh, each and every day and each, each moment. Humility also will position us for better, us for better relationships. Ephesians 4 it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I mean, how do we live a life worthy of the calling we have received? And sometimes we think it starts with doing something big, you know, how to become a Billy Graham. But, but it actually just says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of Christ. I mean, I mean, Jesus, how can I repay you for all you've done for me? You died for me on the cross, and you forgave all my sin, and you give me a hope unlike any other. How can I repay you? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of Christ. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. It starts here. I mean, it begins with this idea of developing humility before God and before people. And naturally, when we do that, I mean, it just positions us for better relationships. You realize that most relationship difficulties at the core, usually there's pride at work somewhere in there. And, uh, and when you have two people who are trying to be gentle and humble and patient and, and bearing with each other's faults because there's always faults and, and differences and you need to put up with that and, and work towards unity and peace. I mean, it helps a lot in relationships. In fact, I noticed something, and you probably do too, that if you look at any married couple who's been married for like eons and they're like really old and, and they have a great marriage, usually you'll find two people who are very humble. I mean, usually you find these two people who just have learned to walk in humility because humility does everything for a marriage. It does everything for relationships. And so another reason to pursue this is because when you pursue humility, it actually helps your relationships, but also when you pursue humility, God's favor and grace actually begins to fall on your relationship. And, and that's always a cool thing. Uh, humility also positions us to trust the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. It takes humility to say, God, I got a good plan, but I'm going to lay it at your feet. What do you say? 
Uh, it, it's prideful when we say, I know the way this is, the, I know how to solve this problem. I know the way I should fix my marriage. I know I should, what I should do in my business. I got my plans. And, and that can often cause us not to trust the Lord. It causes us to trust in ourselves. But when we're willing to come to the Father and say, Father, what do you think of this plan? And allow him to make adjustments and submit it to him. Again, this, this causes us not only to trust the Lord, but it causes us to, for God to infuse our life with grace and favor, and he begins to make our paths straight. And often all the crooked paths in our lives are because we're walking in pride before the Lord, rather in, in humility. Humility will also position us for, for deeper community with each other. You remember a story uh, years ago I was reading of a gentleman who had a real issue in his life, and he, he was going to God desperately for, God, would you deliver me from this, and God, would you rescue me from this? It was, it was an addiction issue for him. And God, would you have favor and grace in my life and just deliver me, deliver me? And he was praying and fasting and praying and fasting and praying and praying. And finally, God said to him, the reason this is not being answered is because of pride. And he's like, pride? What do you mean? I'm, I'm going to you. I'm submitting to you. I'm calling to you. And in his case, God was speaking to him. The reason is, is because you want me to fix it, and you're not willing to tell anybody else. Because what was going on in his heart is he was like, God, would you just fix this so, so, so nobody else has to know about this? God, would you just fix this to clean it up so, you know, I don't have to be vulnerable in community? And he realized that what he had to do, in this case, it's not always the case, but in this case was James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Sometimes when we're only going to God, it can be actually an issue of pride because we don't want anybody else to know about our issue and we want to keep it to ourselves and be independent and if God fixes, I can just keep going on and still look good in front of the community. And, and there are times when God causes, calls us to actually confess our sin in front of each other. It doesn't have to be up here, but you may have to go to the prayer team and say, you know, I've been struggling this week with this. Would you, would you pray? And, and God often releases healing when you actually become vulnerable. Because again, when you humble yourself, there's an effusion of grace and favor on your life. Uh, God works through prayer, and sometimes he'll answer it when we're just praying to him. But sometimes God will answer it when you actually humble yourself and, and make the road to the prayer team or talk to someone about what you're going on. Because humility, it, just, it becomes an open vessel for humility or, or for favor and grace from, from God above. So humility positions us for community. And, uh, and the more vulnerable we can be, the deeper in community we get. And often people who who come to church and they, and they say things, you know, this church isn't very loving, often are people who have trouble receiving love. Or they have, are people who trouble, uh, have trouble being vulnerable. And sometimes naturally so because they've been hurt or whatever. But, but when you're vulnerable and learn to, to, to talk about what's on your heart, it just drives you deeper into community. So humility positions us for deeper community. Tim Keller, in his book, Reason for God, he's got this famous quote. You may have heard it before. He says, the Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. It undermines both swaggering and sniveling. I cannot feel superior to anyone and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. 
I do, do not think more of myself nor less of myself. Instead, I think of myself less. And I want to talk about this little phrase here. I do not think more of myself nor less of myself because sometimes when we are on the pursuit to humility, um, because maybe of teaching we've experienced or because of the work of the enemy, sometimes we can actually run to the very opposite thing called false humility, which really is pride. And I want to take a moment to talk about false humility. Sometimes people call this worm theology. And, um, and sometimes you'll see it in Christian, certain Christian circles and people will say, you know, my heart is just evil and beyond all cure, and it's sick, and you know, you can't trust me, and my heart's just evil, or you know, all my righteous acts are filthy rags, and everything I do is tainted by evil, and you know, I'm such a whore, I'm just a worm, and I'm unlovable, and I'm not valuable, and thank you that God died for me, but I have no value. I mean, it's worm theology. Most of the time, it's taking Bible verses out of context of the new covenant and um, life in Christ. But it, it, it actually doesn't really come from the scriptures. It comes from this hymn. There's an old hymn, the Isaac Watts hymn. And there's this line in there. It says, he would devote that sacred head for such a worm as I. And, uh, and sometimes you meet folks who, who walk in worm theology. And they just talk all the time about I'm such a sinner and my heart is so evil. And, and again, you know, everything I do is tainted. And I'm just so unlovable. I'm horrible. I'm awful and evil. And, and, and they don't realize what Jesus has done for them in their new life in Christ. Uh, this is, is just another word for false humility. And false humility can show up in, in a lot of different ways. But, but one way it can show up is in uh, an unwillingness to receive praise that we truly deserve. And so if someone does a really good job up here or teaching Sunday school or, you know, making coffee and you go up to them and say, wow, that was really great what you did today. If they have worm theology, they will often say, well, you know, it wasn't me, it was God. But really, it wasn't that good, you know. That's, that's what some people say, you know. Just, you know, say, wow, you know, you did a great job leading worship. Oh, it wasn't me, it was God. Well, it wasn't that good because if God did, it would be way better. I mean, <laughs> I mean re the reality is... <laughs> It wasn't all God, because if it was, it would be, it would be even more better. It would be beautiful. I mean, you're actually saying, that, well, it was just God. You're saying that God actually does things that are, you know, not perfect. I mean, God uses people. We know that. Uh, you can say, you know, God really used me, and I felt God at work, but to just say, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of worm theology. I'm so undeserving. If anybody gives me a compliment, it's going to go to my head, and I'm going to somehow turn to Satan because I'll be so full of pride, and, and there's this worry about, they're just unable to say, to say, oh, oh, thank you for the compliment. You know, God, you know, God, I, you know, I felt God at work or something, uh, but it's the unwilling to receive praise. And we know for love to truly exist, there always needs to be a giving of love and a receiving of love. And, and humility, if you actually learn to walk in humility, you actually learn to receive compliments and just say, you know, you know thank you. Uh, because you've learned that humility and you're not running to false humility. Uh, this can show up in sort of humble bragging. You know, I'm so humble. You know, if everyone's just as humble as me, you know. I mean, if you're bragging about how humble you are, you got an issue. I mean, right away. Uh, falsely portraying helplessness or a lack of power. Again, this is kind of worm theology. I suck at everything. I can't do anything. And, you know, I, I, just, I just, you know, don't trust me because you know, my heart is evil. And you're basically saying that God hasn't gifted you. God isn't in you. God doesn't have the Holy Spirit in you. I mean, again, you're denying what God says about you. 
Uh, it can be an unwillingness to compliment others, or it can show up in, in self-deprecating words. Again, you know, I suck, and I'm horrible, and I, I'm lame. I'm, I'm so humble because I just talk down about myself. You know, I just, I'm just the worst person. I have no value. I'm so humble. That's worm theology. But the reality is, I mean, who is the most humble, humblest person who ever walked this planet? You might say Moses. Um, it does say in the Bible that he was the most humblest person on the, on the face of the planet until Jesus came. But of course, Jesus would be the absolute most humblest person who ever walked this planet. I mean, he's our example. He perfectly mani manifested humility. But guess what Jesus never did? Yeah, exactly. You never see Jesus saying, oh, I suck. You know, I'm so horrible, you know. I can't do anything because, you know, true humility is when you talk down about yourself and you use self-deprecating words. I mean, that, that's true humility. Actually, Jesus perfectly manifests, uh, manifests humility, yet he didn't talk down about himself. In fact, we see Jesus being very honest about who he is. Before Abraham was born, I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I and the Father are one. I mean, Jesus was actually absolutely honest with, with who, he, who he is. And this is actually humility. It says in Romans, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. So it's prideful when you think you're better than you are. When you're better than other people, you're more gifted or you're more talented or whatever you might be because you're, you're considering yourself better than other people. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God or with the gifts or the personality or the skills God has distributed to each of you. That we look ourselves in sober judgment. In other words, we talk real about ourselves. And so there may be a place, you know, I might say, you know, you know I'm really not the best at this area of my life, but I'm actually, I'm actually pretty good here. You know, God has gifted me in this one area. I'm not gifted here, but I am gifted here, and, and, and I can maybe be helpful in this situation. That's actually humility, because you acknowledge where you're weak, and you're acknowledging where you're strong. False humility is when you just say, I'm horrible at everything, or a pride is like, I'm just better than everybody else at everything. Any answer, I know the answer. Even if I don't know the answer, I'm going to argue till, uh, because I need to be right. And even though I don't know if I'm right, I'm going to make sure you know I'm right, or whatever it might be. Humility is when you're actually just honest about yourself and your gifting, where you're strong, where you're weak. And so there is a place in 1 John 1.8 where we acknowledge our sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And so we, we acknowledge we, we are sinners, uh, we don't do things perfectly. We're not good at everything. We have weaknesses. Uh, that is true. But in Christ, our identity actually shifts primarily from being a sinner to actually being a saint. And so we also, in humility, acknowledge, as we use this phrase here, I am deeply loved, fully forgiven, and totally accepted in Christ. God alone is the final authority on my self-worth and identity. And so what happens when you have false humility or you use self-deprecating words and you're talked down about yourself, I have no value, I'm not loved, you know, God would never forgive me, you are actually totally manifesting pride. Self-deprecating words is pride. 
And the reason it is, is because when you talk down about yourself, you actually are saying that your view of yourself is a higher truth than what God says about yourself. Because God says you are valued. God says you are loved. God says that you are forgiven. So if you come across and say, oh, you know, I'm not loved, I'm not valued, I suck at everything, you're basically saying, well, what I say about myself is, is actually more true than what God you say, and, and you're actually placing yourself above God. That's pride. That's the downfall of the enemy, Satan, when you, you know, I will exalt myself above God. So we don't exalt ourselves above God. Again, as Paul says, we walk with sober judgment about who we actually are which means we acknowledge our weakness, but it means we also acknowledge who we are in Christ. And we acknowledge the work of Christ in in our lives. And so we accept truth like Ephesians 1. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us with kindness along with all wisdom and understanding. Humility is acknowledging that I'm not under condemnation. It's acknowledging that I'm a new creation. It's acknowledging I'm God's child, that I'm a saint, that I have forgiveness, that I am chosen, that I have a new heart, that I have the spirit of power, not fear, that I'm a royal. That's humility because it's, it's agreeing with God. And so if you start talking about yourself in ways that are not in line with this, that is actually pride. Because you're saying the way I see myself is actually higher than the way God sees me. And you're placing your truth above God's truth. And so to walk into humility is to agree with God about who you actually, you actually are. Henry Nouwen put it this way. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Being beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. Um, And so this also has to do with complimenting others um, or receiving compliments. I mean, again, sometimes worm theology says you better not compliment anybody. (laughs) Because if you say, wow, that was really great today what you did, uh, worm theology says you're going to infuse them with pride and that's going to be their downfall. I mean... But complimenting someone is also acknowledging how God has gifted and wired them. I mean, when you see someone who is gifted by God, and you say, well, that was really amazing what you did. I mean, you're really gifted. That is actually acknowledging God's creation. It's acknowledging how God wired them. And it's actually giving glory to God. We get illustrated this way. I I found this painting in the office. And uh, I mean, let's say I came up to this painting. I mean, I think it's a great painting. Um, imagine if I came to this painting and I said, this painting really sucks. I mean, it's just all off. It's horrible. There's nothing good in this painting. This painting is just, is just filthy and I don't know what's going on, but this, this is a horrible painting. I just talked down about this painting. Now, does me talking down about this painting, does that glorify the artist? Does that lift up the artist? Not at all, actually. What would glorify the artist is if I say, well, that is a beautiful painting. Just the way the trees are and the light. I mean, this is a gorgeous painting. I mean, that glorifies the artist. 
I mean, the artist is actually Nicole Dickinson from Balfour, but if she was standing here and all of us just started doing worm theology, this painting is horrible, it's so ugly, and just there's nothing good, it's just a bunch of filthy rags, do you think that would be encouraging to the artist? Do you think Nicole would be like, yeah, she just is like, this is my creation. I, like, I made that, I put my heart and soul into that, and so when we are talking to other people, and we're like, I'm not going to encourage you because that's just a, it's not going to glorify God if I say thank you to that person because it's going to go to their head. Actually, when we acknowledge God's creation in, some, in someone and how they're wired and how they're shaped, that, that actually honors God because He is our creator. God actually calls us His masterpiece, His poem. Or let's say this painting, somehow we could breathe life and a soul in this painting. And this painting just started talking down about itself. You know, I am really lame. You know, I am just not valued. You know, I have, a, I have an evil heart, and I'm just an evil picture. I mean, again, would that glorify the, the artist? Not at all. And it's the same with us. When we talk down about ourselves and we use self-deprecating language and, you know, whatever it might be, I mean, it doesn't glorify the artist and it doesn't glorify God. To be humble is to acknowledge, yeah, where we're strong, where we're beautiful, but also where we're weak and, and maybe where we're not, not, not as strong. And so I like this definition of humility. Being humble is not believing you are inferior to others. True humility is agreeing with what God says about you. Humble people fully appreciate their own gifts and talents, but don't esteem themselves above others. I mean, it takes a humble person to say, you know, I actually really suck at this, at this area. And actually, when someone asks you a question to actually say, you know, I actually don't know. Or, you know, maybe this person is probably a better person to go to because they probably have a better answer. That's humility. But if someone does come up to you and you're actually good at something to actually say, you know, I think I might know something about that. You know, I spent years studying this or God's really gifted me in that area. I mean, it's acknowledging the, the painting that you are. And so we walk around in, in a way where I mean, the Bible over and over again actually says that we are to be encouraging one another. Uh, the Bible says that we are to be honoring one another. And, and part of that is to, to say thank you and to appreciate the way people are and how they're wired. And, and so don't be afraid of acknowledging people and complimenting people. And don't be afraid of receiving a compliment. Because often when someone compliments you, they're, they're giving love. In order to be successful in community, you need to be able to take that love and receive it. And I had a lesson in that, I mean, years ago when I was first starting out as a pastor, there was this older gal I would go see, and she was very, very poor. I'd go over to her house and, and help her out sometimes. And uh, one time she, she like handed me a $50 bill just to say, you know, I really appreciate you coming over. I just want to thank you so much for, you know, I'd shovel her driveway sometimes. Just thank you. And I was like, I just totally went into like worm theology. You know, I don't deserve that. And you know, just keep it, you're poor. And you know, I got money and it's okay, just don't. And just rejecting it. She was like, no, really, I really want to give this to you. And I was just like, no, 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 no. And all of a sudden I began to realize that I was actually hurting her. Because when you love, you naturally want to give. And if you give love and it's not received, that hurts. And so there are times when people might throw out a compliment, and to be loving, you need to receive that compliment. Now, you don't receive it in a prideful way, yeah, I, don't, I know, I'm just better than everybody else. I mean, you know, that, that's, not, that's not humility. But to be able to receive love in the right way, and to give love in the right way, that, that is beautiful. I mean, imagine, I mean, what your relationships could look like if every day you just clothed yourself with humility. 
where there was giving and receiving love in a beautiful, humble way between partners, where there was acknowledging of weaknesses and, you know, I need help here because I'm not doing well. And imagine what our community could look like if every week, more and more, we just began to, to clothe ourselves in humility. I tell you one thing that would happen. There would be an effusion of grace and favor. So, Father, we pray for an effusion of grace and favor over our lives this, this, this coming year. How do we pray for our marriages? God, that you would infuse them with grace and favor. God, we pray for single folk that in their life that you would infuse them with grace and favor. God, we pray over our businesses, we pray over our jobs, we pray over our workplaces and our schools. God, that you would help us to walk in humility that you might pour out your grace and favor. God, we pray for this church. Every Sunday, we would come here clothing ourselves in humility. We pray for the leadership. We pray for myself, God, that, that you would help us to walk in humility. In Jesus' name, amen.